Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 182 of the Box Hard Podcast. I am your host, Joey Coastman. This week, I'm riding solo. There's no I as. I hope everybody liked the new intro there. Please let me know what you think. Um, you know, we've decided to bring a couple new names in, or a couple new voices in, I should probably say, and we've we've got rid of one or two. Charlie Edwards redid his bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite like it. Please let me know what you guys think, and uh, it'll be great to hear your feedback. But yeah, going into part one, I don't really see this week's show being such a long one. I'm going to just try to go through everything as quick as possible, so please stay with me for the duration of the show, because I am on my own here. But we're going to start with a review part. We're going to start actually in Dubai at the Emirates Golf Club. Um, This one, of course, was shown on IFL TV's YouTube page. It was an MTK Global show. Barry Jones was out there helping out with the commentary. Um, One fight really to mention over here. David Oliver Joyce, the Irishman, took on Stephen Tiffany, the Scotsman, uh, 10-1 was Tiffany, 9-0 was Joyce, it was for the vacant WBO European featherweight strap, and it ended up being a retirement after seven rounds, Stephen Tiffany retired in his corner, he didn't come out for round eight, so a win there for David Oliver Joyce, 10-0, and a decent little belt there, the WBO European featherweight title, so all the very best to him moving forward. Moving out now though to the Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall in Las Vegas, Nevada, um... This is an interesting one. We're going to be speaking to the man involved in this fight a little later on in the show. We we have over here uh, Keith Hunter, 9-0. Like I say, we'll be speaking to him later on in the show. He moved to 10-0 here. He took on Sanjabek Rachmanov, 11-1 with one draw, Uzbekistan fighter. Now, the guys had a a little bit of beef before the fight, so it ended up kind of being a bit of a grudge match. Something went down at the Mayweather gym, if I'm not mistaken. I'll be asking Keith later on when we speak to him. But, um, yeah, Rachmanov actually got dropped in the second round. He ended up getting up. He ended up fighting pretty well, by all accounts. I didn't actually get to see it. It ended up being a split decision over eight rounds in favor of Keith Hunter. Now, Keith Hunter was actually fighting on um, a Floyd Mayweather show here, and this guy, Rachmanov's a Floyd Mayweather fighter. So, a lot of people were saying, hey, it's a robbery, it's a robbery. Keith Hunter didn't deserve to get the decision. Like I say, it was a split decision over eight rounds, but not very often do you hear an away fighter, so to speak, coming and fighting on, you know, a rival promoter's show and getting a nod, you know, in a real close fight. That really doesn't happen. So it'd be interesting to see what Keith has to say later on, but that's it for Las Vegas. Moving out now to Bayern in Germany, the Bauhaus Forum over here. Um... 
Yeah, this this was a bit of a strange one actually. There was a guy over here, prospect Serge Michel. He was eight and zero. He took on Ryan Ford, a light heavyweight who was supposed to fight Anthony Yard. I think when he was like fourteen and zero, he's now fifteen and four. He's been really found out. He's you know quite a padded record type guy. Uh, so yeah, he was expected to go out to Germany and Michel would do a job on him. Well, no, it was a real upset here. Ryan Ford knocked Michel out in round eight, and it was a brutal, brutal knockout from Ford. It it was actually for the vacant WBC International Silver Light Heavyweight title, so he's got that belt now. Obviously, we don't want to see the Anthony Yard fight for whatever reason it didn't happen, but the Canadian fighter Ford gets a good win here. Um, also, Michelle had a point deducted in round three for a low blow also, so... Yeah, a brilliant performance there from Ryan Ford. He's upset the odds there. Also on the bill, another prospect here, Peter Mylas, the heavyweight that was able to stop Kevin Johnson. He actually moved to 14-0 here. A knockout in round six against Dennis Baktov. I remember actually going to Anthony Joshua versus Dennis Baktov, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was one of his early fights at the O2. But yeah, Dennis Baktov, a man that had been in there with the likes of Joshua and a few others. He's 39-15 and 15 now. Um, but yeah, Peter Mylas, like I say, 14 and Oh, that's about it, though, for Germany. Uh, moving out to the final couple of cards, or I think there's maybe three cards to go over. Uh, let's start first in Japan at the Korokin Hall in Tokyo. Um, we saw over here Valentin Hosokawa, his record 24-6 and six with three draws. He took on Koki Inoue, who's actually the cousin of Naoya Inoue. He's actually 12-0. and 0. Well, now he's 13-0, and 0, actually. It was for the Japanese super lightweight title. A win here for Inoue over 10 rounds unanimously. Those Inoues can really, really fight. Uh, moving out now to Poland at the Spodek. This was a brilliant, brilliant Brilliant card, actually, in my opinion. And I really, really like this one. I'm going to start with this one here. Um, Damien Janak, the guy that had a fantastic record, 41-0 and with one draw. I said it on last week's show, he hadn't fought anybody. He took on the wily Mr. Andrew Robinson, a man that can, you know, can really... Uh, dig deep when he needs to, we saw that against Frank Buglioni and a couple of other times I think he fought Lee Markham as well, gave him a good fight if I'm not mistaken um, but yeah, a real a real tough fighter Andrew Robinson, he hasn't had it easy he's had to do it on the small hall shows that type of thing and he got flown out here to Poland and he was expected to lose and I said it on last week's show, I said I tell you what, wouldn't it be fantastic if he won and he did win, he actually got a split decision over 8 rounds, it's a little bit like the Keith Hunter type fight where you know, he's gone out to a rival promoters um you know, rival promoters show, and he's actually managed to win a split over eight rounds. So all the best to Andrew Robinson. I sent him a congratulations tweet. Um, 23 and four with one draw. Now he's took the O of Damian Janak. And uh, I saw a tweet online. Someone, someone tweeted. I can't remember. It might have been. Uh, that Adam Abramowitz, he said, imagine building your record carefully to 41 and 0, and then to lose it to Andrew Robinson. I mean, it is pretty incredible. Also on the bill, Marius Wack, 33-4. and four. He took on Martin Bacoli again. Bacoli was coming off that loss to Michael Hunter. Um, it was interesting to see what he'd look like in that return fight. Uh, they still haven't really said what was wrong with him that night. I mean, Billy Nelson, his trainer, has come out and said, if I knew what was wrong with him, we'd have... Um, I think he even said he'd have cancelled the fight or he would have certainly pulled him out, which he refused to do. So it was real bizarre. But anyway, um, he stepped in here in Poland against Marius Wack. It was interesting because I think a lot of people thought, wow, he's going on the road now. He's, you know, he's going to be this 
this next best thing. He's going to be this well beater. And then he's going on the road to Poland. Like it was, it was a bit dodgy, but anyway, he didn't need the judges over here. He ended up scoring a knockout in round eight. Um, that's quite impressive. I suppose. I mean, Marius Wax only been stopped three times now in total twice before this one. And obviously that was to Alexander Povetkin and big baby Miller, uh, big baby Miller back in 2017. So quite a good win there for Martin Bacoli. Um, you know, he becomes the quickest man to stop him. We all know that Marius Wack can take a dig. Um, so, yeah, a good win there for Martin Bacoli. He now becomes the Republic of Poland international heavyweight champion. I'm going to repeat. The Republic of Poland international heavyweight champion. I'm not quite sure if he's even got a speck of Polish blood or just a fragment of Polish bone in his body. I don't think he does, but I don't understand how he how he becomes a champion there. But he does anyway. Also, topping the bill, Robert Parzazuski, 22-1. He fought for the vacant Republic of Poland international super middleweight title. Um, he was able to knock out in two rounds Dmitry Chudinov. Like I say, Chudinov took some absolute thunderbolts from Chris Eubank Jr. And it took Eubank Jr. a long time to get the stoppage. Um, and this guy does it in two rounds. So Robert Parzazuski might be one to look out for there. Chudinov now 20, uh, 21 and 5 with two draws. Parzazuski 23 and 1. And like I say, Bacoli now 12 and 1. Um, yeah, all the very best to those guys there. Moving out now to the Clackamas Armory in Oregon, USA. The final card to mention over here. Um, it was Steve Forbes promoting this show. He also fought on the bill. His record now 36-14. and 14. It was his 50th fight against Tavoris Teague, a journeyman who was 6-25. and 25, Now 6-26 and 26 with four draws. All the very best to Steve Forbes. Um... Like I said, I don't think it was televised at all, so I haven't seen anything of it. I'm hoping that he, you know, he come through it with flying colours, or if it was very close, then uh, you know I'd like him to probably retire. Uh, you know, he's been out the ring a long time. That's his first win for many, many years. But um, yeah, he's 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 a good guy. He's a clever guy. So all the very best to Steve Forbes. I should also mention the uh, the the Marius Wack and. Um, Martin Bacoli fight, I should have just mentioned it a minute ago, um, it was super, super close up until that stoppage in the 8th round, one judge had it one round to whack, and the other two judges had it one round to Bacoli at the time of the stoppage, so it was a real close and competitive fight, and that doesn't look so good in my opinion but that is about it for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part 1, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the four-weight world champion himself. It is, of course, Mr. Nonito Donaire. Nonito, welcome back on the show, my man. Um, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's it's always great to be to be back. It's always great to have you back, Nonito. We last spoke in October. Uh, it was just before the Burnett fight, of course, in Glasgow. The fight, while it lasted, was a very interesting fight. Uh, you know, it started to kind of really heat up, actually, when this freak injury occurred. Ryan Burnett had to be pulled out. I know you're a very classy man, and that wasn't the way that you wanted to win the belt, but please talk us through that fight uh, just briefly from your perspective, Nonito. Well, it was just a lot of transition from fighting at 126, to 118 um so early on you know it was more of, of setting up and figuring out where where i can create openings for him you know and he kept landing those straight punches i remember getting hit with those straight and then i think in the third round i figured that out and i just kept digging into the body i was and then i started to get comfortable in the weight 
and not so much as sitting down like I was at 126. And so I, you know, I, I came in there after, after a couple of rounds, I started to get loosened up a little bit and, you know, and that's why I felt a lot, a lot of confidence coming in. And, and again, you know, things happen in boxing. That's something that you're got to be prepared for, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, Burnett's a great fighter. So we're, you know, we're always willing to mix it up another, you know, if, if he's willing to do that. But for now, that's pretty much where, where we stand is, is, you know, just, just being comfortable in this division. I, I felt that I was very comfortable uh, after, after the third, third round and, you know, and, and going to training, I, I feel great. And that is what is, you know, a great thing because a lot of people were, you know, were doubting that you'd even make the weight originally. A lot of people kind of felt like you were done and you were just signing up to this World Boxing Super Series tournament as some kind of last-ditch attempt to make a little bit more money before sailing off into the sunset. And obviously, that wasn't the way it was. Uh, you know, you won the Burnett fight. I felt the first three rounds were really close. And, and of course, the fourth round was a 10-8 round for you. Uh, you know, you, you still remain unbeaten at bantamweight. It's four wins now out of four, three by knockout. And like I say now people are looking at your next fight against Zelani Tete and actually people are saying hey I think that Nonito's going to win this one you continue to prove the doubt as wrong Nonito even now well you know um, I've been in this game for quite some time I think that the ups and downs uh, in, in my career has um, allowed me to, to see where I stand in this game you know and I feel that this is where my true weight is I've always fought in bigger division because it was just more lucrative and it was bigger names in that division, you know, and then this tournament happened. So it was an opportunity and I, I never doubt that I could make the weight. I've always been a smaller guy. So, you know, this is where I'm best. This is, this is, you'll see the best of me in this division. And the fight, as I mentioned, it takes place on April 27th in Louisiana. <laughs> what do you know about Zelani Tete Nanito? Well, I know that he's South tall. He's a little bit taller, but not, you know, he's taller than a lot of guys that I've, that, that uh that he's fought he's you know he's a lot taller than the guys that he's fought so it makes him look really lengthy um but i know that he's not that tall compared to to me you know so um i'm used to fighting guys at his height in in the 126 you know even taller guys you know than him so um i you know he's a he's a very uh collective guy he 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 knows how to box and and he knows how to use his length and his jab you know, and he's a very smart fighter. So that's something that we've been working on and just trying to uh, to dissect his style that we can, you know, take away his weapons. And of course, he's a Southpaw. In recent times, you haven't really had the best experiences with Southpaws. It, you know, it springs to my mind the likes of Rigondo, the likes of Jesse Magdalena. But I'm sure that you're going to also answer straight back and say, hey, what about Matabula? What about Darchinian? <laughs> and and Nishioka as well. He's a Southpaw. Yeah. So. I have more success in Southpaw as well with Hernan Marquez as well, you know. So I've I've had a lot more uh, success. It's just that when it becomes defeat, it's more it's more uh, it's more known to to people, you know. So it, it sticks into their mind more than than all the victories, you know, um, that I have. So, but I don't fear it at all. Actually, I, I embraced it a lot because if if I feel that I lack on something, that's where I got to get better on. And and I feel that in this training camp that I have. I've learned to kind of see uh, how to really fight Southpaw. Okay. 
And I don't think that you watched tons and tons of boxing, so I'm guessing when you did enter this tournament originally, you probably hadn't seen most of the participants fight before. But with just yourself and now three other men left, um, have you had a chance to you know, get a good look at the likes of Rodriguez, the likes of Inoue, or are you really just not looking at those guys and solely focusing on Tete? I haven't seen any of the fights. Uh, actually, even Tete's fight... Except for this time where I, you know, focused on them early on, and the verse, the very first thing that we we uh, we really focus on is how to adapt to certain situations. So, um, but looking into fights, that's pretty much whoever is this in front of me is, is the person that I kind of study. And the week before your fight, Terence Crawford takes on Amir Khan. I know that you, of course, are probably a fan of both of these guys. Amir Khan is understandably a big underdog. Uh, it's an interesting matchup, though, when you really think about it. How do you see that one playing out, Manito? Yeah, I think Crawford has so many weapons, you know, and he's 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 very fresh. You know, he doesn't really get hit that much. You know, he know he has the confidence, he has the power as well as the speed, the versatility. You know, and, you know, Amir Khan always will be Amir Khan. You know, he has a fat hand, but he has that uh, susceptibility to getting caught with, with punches over his punches, you know, like an overhand or a hook, you know. So those are those are going to be more dangerous. And, and we know that, that uh, Khan is somewhat of a suspect chin in, in all the fights. I mean, granted that, he, you know, anybody could not take big punches, <laughs> you know, in, in, in this game. Um, but I, I believe that, that um, granted that, that Amir is a very talented guy, but the more talented in, in the two and the more versatile and the more of the advantage would really come down to, to Crawford, you know, just being, being on, on the momentum of his victories, being uh, uh, southpaw or, or orthodox. I mean, just name styles I and mean, he has it. So it's going to be a good, interesting fight, but I think Crawford will be uh, victorious in, in the way he, um, the way of, because of his style and his talent. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, and coming down to the last couple of things now, Nanito, from my understanding, I think Ryan Bennett has only just this week started training again. Uh, I just really wanted to ask, do you want to perhaps send a message to him, some words of encouragement, anything like that while you're on? Well, I definitely believe that he's a good fighter. You know, he, he can definitely become champion again. You know, and I wish him the best. You know, um, take things that life is an up and down. If you can pursue greatness, is to um, harness the down so that you can propel yourself up and higher than before. That's pretty much what I had to, to uh, learn for myself, and that's the advice that I would give anyone who wants to get there, who's been there and wants to get even further, is, is to embrace the negative and, and, and the, the downfall in order for us to rise even higher. And, and get better. So that's that's all I can say to him is that he has the ability to make it happen. You just gotta embrace everything and where he can learn to get better. Well said, Manito. And it doesn't it doesn't feel right if you don't drop some uh, some wisdom in in one of our interviews. There, I like the way that you that you you, you worded that one. <laughs> um, any other any other message at all to, to to give to the listeners just before we so, let you go, Nanito? Well, this year, the end of this year is my twentieth year in in being a professional fighter. So I've been in this game for quite some time, learned a lot of knowledge. But more, mainly, I have to say that the fans is what really makes it happen for us, you know, the the support of boxing. And I love the support of boxing. I'm going to continue fighting as long as I can until it's healthy for me or until it's not, no longer capable of beating these guys or younger guys. Then aside from that, I, you know, 
I love the sport and I appreciate the people that love the sport and I, I wish you guys the best of everything and a big thank you to to everyone who support boxing and you guys will have a great time uh, watching this fight, watching this tournament because we're, we're here and we're going to give it everything that we got. Very well said, Nanito. Listen, I want to wish you the very best of luck for April 27th in Louisiana. You know it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend, and we'll catch up, I'm sure, again sometime after the fight. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. There's no eyes, it's just me, so I've had to try to gather as much news as I can. Let's start here with um, Alexander Usyk. It's finally been announced. He takes on Carlos Takam on May 25th. That will happen at the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Um, no undercard just yet, although I think Michael Hunter will be on it. Um, I'm not sure if Povetkin's fighting on it. We're going to have to wait and see about that one. Um... June 15th, we already knew Tyson Fury would be fighting Tom Schwartz. That one uh, has been confirmed. It's happening at the MGM Grand. And cousin of Tyson, Huey Fury, he will be fighting on May 25th at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. Uh, His opponent yet to be announced. That will be shown on Channel 5. That's a Mick Hennessy uh, show there. But that is about it for the news, as as far as I know. Uh, I haven't missed anything out I don't think perhaps if anything unfolds while I'm recording the show I'll mention it later on uh, at the very end but yeah that's about it moving on now to the preview part of the show we're going to start here at the Staples Center in Los Angeles California USA um yeah I mean it's 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 the right place to to start, really. Uh, I'm going to start with the undercard. Arnold Barboza Jr., 20-0. He takes on former world champion Mike Alvarado, 40-4. Uh, that's a 10-rounder there. Gilberto Ramirez, he dips his toe in the water here at light heavyweight. His record, 39-0. He takes on Tommy Carpensi, 29-6 with one draw. Carpensi, a man that's been in there with the likes of Adonis Stevenson. He got knocked out by him pretty early on. Um, you know... He's, he's decent to a level, but I'd expect Ramirez to beat him quite handily on points, I'd say. Uh, and topping the bill, Vasily Lomachenko, 12-1. and one. He puts his WBA Super World Lightweight title on the line, along with his WBO World Lightweight title. In the other corner, the mandatory challenger, our very own Manchester sweetheart, Mr. Anthony Crawler, 34-6 and six with three draws. I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. Um, there's no way... In the world, I can see Crawler winning this fight. Uh, even if Lomachenko had one hand tied behind his back, I think it's an absolute mismatch. I understand it's a mandatory. I don't really understand how he got in the mandatory position, but that's neither here or there. Um, I think Lomachenko is just on a complete different level to this guy, a complete different planet to Crawler. But, you know, it is boxing, and for that matter, you have to say. Everybody has has got a chance, you know, everyone's got a puncher's chance, even though he's not really a puncher. Crawler's come back from some crazy stuff, you know. His story is is absolutely incredible. He he will will surely have a film made about him one day. Um you know, he's a he's he's a brilliant fighter. He's a He's a real role model, actually. He's one of the real good guys of boxing. But, you know, being a good guy, having a great story, doesn't mean you're going to win a fight. And, you know, Crawler's not, you know, he's not even spoke about, really, as as one of the top fighters in the UK. Uh, Let alone, you know, he's taken on a guy here who's arguably number one pound for pound in the world. So, yeah, you know, 
uh, it's just a complete mismatch. I think he gets stopped. We actually did the predictions on this. Um, I've got to chase Ayaz up to get his prediction. I'm actually on 99 uh, out of 100 right now, so I, I'm just one away. I'm going to go with Lomachenko to win this one by knockout. The listeners, I believe, you've gone with the same yes. Yes, Lomachenko by KO. Absolutely no one voted for Crawler to win by knockout. One or two people voted for Crawler to win on points. I mean... That's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, a shock knockout would be probably more likely than him winning on points. But anyway, uh, Lomachenko by knockout, we we, we all agree there. Um, Yeah, leaving that one alone, all the very best to Anthony Crawler. Of course, I'd love to see him prevail. But moving out now to to Mexico, the Arena Monterrey in Nuevo Leon. Over here, we get to see Diego De La Hoya, 21-0. He takes on Enrique Bernash, who's 24-12. That's a 10-rounder there. Seems like De La Hoya's kind of padding out his record a little bit now. Uh, Jaime Munguia tops the bill. He puts his WBO World Super Welterweight title on the line against Dennis Hogan. Um, Of course, Munguia... You know, he looked absolutely brilliant, didn't he, for a while? And I still think he's brilliant, but there was that one fight where he took on a guy, again, called Inoue, but it was nothing to do with uh, Naoya or, or his brother or his cousin that we mentioned earlier. He took on Takeshi Inoue, and Takeshi Inoue gave him a real fight, even though he won pretty much every round on the scorecards, which was, you know, just crazy scorecards really but um yeah that fight seemed like everyone's doubting him now saying oh he's not that good he doesn't have a chance against Hurd or Charlo and I think I even got into a debate on Twitter the other day someone was saying do you seriously think that he can like you know compete with Hurd or something like that and it's like yes I do (laughs) but anyway uh, he takes on Dennis Hogan the guy's not a puncher at all 28 wins 7 by knockout Uh, he's got the one loss it was to Jack Kulkai on points no real shame in that to be honest Kulkai was a good amateur and a good pro and um yeah, you know, he's he's an Irishman, but he lives in Australia, Dennis Hogan. I don't really give him a chance. It's an easy touch, in my opinion, for Mungia. Moving out now, though, to the Minneapolis Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. This one's going to be shown on USA Fox Sports 1. Um, I don't think there's a UK broadcaster for it, unfortunately, and I'm gutted about that. Um, let's start with the... Hmm. Let's start with the... But there's two fights to mention anyway. We just mentioned one of the guys a minute ago. Jack Kulkai, 25-3. and three. He's in a 12-round fight against Sergei Derevianchenko, 12-1. and one. Of course, the one loss came to Daniel Jacobs, a good fighter, Derevianchenko. That'll actually be a good stylistic matchup. I'm really looking forward to that one. But the main attraction over here, Peter Quillen, a man that was on our show last week, 34-1 and one with one draw, former WBO uh, middleweight world champion. He takes on Caleb Truax, friend of the show. It's a 10-round fight, Truax 30-4 and with two draws, the former IBF world super middleweight champion Uh, like I say, there was a bit of needle between the pair, they've both sparred in the past, very interesting how Truax on this show told me that he got real confidence after sparring the guy about 10 years ago or or uh, was it seven years ago, perhaps? And then Peter Quillen said, I'm not quite sure how he can say that because I gave him an uppercut and his, his head guard flew across the ring. That was quite unbelievable. Quite graphic, actually, from Peter Quillen to say something like that. It was actually the highlight of the interview, really. I mean, he was so laid back. He was so relaxed. It was like he was falling asleep. And then he just sprung into action and said, what? How can he say that? It was quite interesting. If you haven't heard it, perhaps go check it out. Um, 
But yeah, we've gone to the predictions on that fight, and the listeners, you, you've gone with Quillin on points. It was quite a close poll. Um, there was people voting for everything. The most unlikely outcome, people said, was Truax to win on points. Um, but yeah, Quillin on points, and in second place, Quillin by knockout. But anyway, you guys have gone with Quillin on points. I tell you what... Oh, it's a difficult one. I I certainly think that Quillin's the more polished boxer. Um, I think everybody knows that. Um, he's got the pedigree. Even Caleb himself said that at one point, you know, Peter Quillin was on fire. However, he's moved up to super middleweight. He hasn't really looked himself. He's gave away rounds in both of his fights. One was against a journeyman. One was against um, Jaylee on Love. You know, he made both fights... Uh, not competitive, but he gave away rounds. Um, it's an interesting fight at this point of Quillin's career. I think it probably does go the distance. Um, I've just got this feeling that Truax might do it, you know, but, oh, I don't really want to, do you know what, I don't really want to side. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Truax on points. I'm going to go Truax on points. My loyalty lies with him. Uh, that's it, though, for that one in Minnesota. Moving out now to the Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. This one's going to be shown on Showtime. It's also going to be shown on Box Nation. Uh, starting with the undercard, Sam Peter. Sam Peter, former heavyweight world champion, 37-6. and six. He takes on Mario Heredia, 15-6 and six with one draw. That's an eight-rounder there. Sam Peter, I think he's about 43 years of age now. Also on the bill, Otto Wallin, the Swedish heavyweight, 20-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Nick Kisner, who's 21-4 and four with one draw. But the main attraction over here, the women are leading the charge here. Clarissa Shields, friend of the show, 8-0. She takes on Christina Hammer, 24-0. 10 two-minute rounds. It's for all four of the belts. The IBF, WBA, WBC, and WBO. And a lot of people are saying that this will be, the, or it is, the biggest fight in women's boxing history. So that is a brilliant thing there for Clarissa to be involved in and Christina Hammer. We actually went to the prediction leagues on the, uh, on the fight. But it ended up being a tie between Clarissa to win on points and Christina to win on points. So rather than put the poll out again and try and hope that it, you know, it doesn't come back as a tie, I just thought we'll scrap that one. Um, but for what it's worth, I think Clarissa wins on points. A lot of people saying that Clarissa could perhaps stop her. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But a good fight there, of course. I want Clarissa to win, being a friend of the show, being my duet partner. And that is about it, though, for the preview part of the show. I've tried to go through the show as quick as possible. I know that I do ramble on sometimes. But when you're on your own and you're not really talking to anyone, it's very, very difficult to keep the momentum going. It's very, very difficult and quite uncomfortable when you know that no one's actually next to you listening to you or anything like that. So I hope that you've stuck with me for the entirety of the show because I, as didn't do that but um yeah thank you all for listening if you have listened this far in the show that is about it for the preview part just before we wrap up part two the final thing to do you know what it is it's to welcome guest number two ladies and gentlemen please welcome the undefeated welterweight slash super lightweight prospect it is of course mr keith hunter keith welcome to the show my man Yes, sir. Uh, Keith, the bounty hunter. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well, my friend. So, Keith, it's the first time that you've been on the show. For those that don't know, I'd like to point out that, of course, you're the younger brother of heavyweight Michael Hunter. Uh, you're also the son of Mike Hunter, your late father. Uh, you've got some big boots to fill. What is it like, or what has it been like, growing up in a boxing family like yours? 
You know, everybody's story is different. And I guess it's kind of been, you know, those Rocky movies and the Creed, you know, all those movies. I never really watched them, but I see parts and segments. I'm not the lie that I've seen the first Rocky movie, but Creed, and once they got the Creed and everything, that's pretty much my life. You can't really even make it a movie. That's, it's just what I'm living. And my story is just, I can't wait to really get it out there on a, on a, on some real big platform. And I appreciate you have for having me now. Hey, the pleasure is mine. The pleasure is really mine. Uh, I know that your brother, Michael, had a real extensive, extensive amateur career. Did you box amateur as well, Keith? Not, yeah, I did, but I had a very short amateur career. Okay, fair enough. Um, obviously, you know, you turned pro just over four years ago now. You've only had the 10 fights. When you look at it like that, it doesn't appear like you've been that active. Has that been frust- you know, frustrating, being not as active as I'm guessing you'd like to be? I mean, I think that's uh, sometimes fighters' biggest enemy. A lot of the time is not being able to, to fight. I've been sitting on the shelf. And, um, you know, I, it's really due to the, the business side of boxing. You know, if I, if I could fight the way I wanted to, I'd fight every Tuesday. But, you know, just understanding and doing proper business that will keep you fighting as a young fighter, keep you fighting the way you want to fight, you know, that, that I learned from that. And now things are different. And I want to talk about your most recent fight. Before we actually discuss the actual fight night, I know that you and your opponent had a bit of history. Can you talk about what exactly happened for this problem to originally occur? There was a bit of beef there. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know exactly how it initiated and started, but kind of to my recollection, you know, uh, we was in the Mayweather's gym. I'm from Las Vegas, the native of Las Vegas. And, you know, I guess sometimes when you have a lot of testosterone in, in boxing gyms, sometimes, you know, people will get a little pushy. And then that night, I guess, I don't know for whatever reason, I'm, I'm really a rather quiet, you know, kid, but, you know, I believe he said something to me for some reason, and I definitely reacted, and the proper way of going about that is just sparring, which we did. Okay, fair enough. So, going into the actual fight night, you were 9-0 and with 7 knockouts. Uh, you know, I looked at those 9 fights, and only one of your 9 opponents had a winning record, which which is fine. You know, you're, you're still learning on the job. You, you, As you say, you didn't have the amateur background that Michael had. So, it's okay to have these learning fights. But because this was such a step up from the guys that you'd been fighting. That was a slight concern for me. And your opponent, Sanjabek Rachmanov, funny, funny enough, he actually had the exact opposite record. All of his opponents had winning records aside from just one. So the total opposite to you. Uh, you were also the underdog going into the fight, but please talk us through the fight round by round if you can, because obviously it wasn't televised over here. I've seen little clips. Yes, the reason being, um, starting off, the reason being why I haven't fought, you know, anybody really with a, a winning record is, you know, I kind of have a, a, a double-edged sword. You know, a lot of people don't know me, but they understand I come from a pedigree, so they want a lot of money to fight me. So in order to get myself fights, I had to take guys like that, you know. So now I get a chance. I was just hoping that somebody would take me, and he took me. And the end, the end result now, round by round, I'll try to, again, recall it because I had an end goal and I completed that. But round by round, I, I think it was in the first one that it was either the first or the second one that I I went in there knowing that I had a lot of power and a lot of artillery that I'm carrying. And it's just a lot of times how I'm going to utilize it. So in the first round, I, I surprised myself and I was relaxed. 
and I ended up dropping him because he, he shot a jab. Well, I was shooting my jab down and up to the body, which um, allowed me to create a pocket to, because it's kind of hard to explain the technical side, but it allowed me to, to create a pocket. So when he shot his jab, I was able to go over the top because I'm the longer and taller man. So um, that surprised me because I didn't have uh, a lot of mustard on that punch, but it dropped him. That set the tone for the night, and I had two decisions. When he got up, he actually took that knockdown pretty well. So I said, uh, I know the gas I had in me coming into to the fight, I didn't have a proper camp, so I had two decisions. You know, I could use all my artillery and try to get him out of there and close the night early, and he still may be there, so I may be in deeper waters later. Or I could just try to spread my energy out and uh, take it round by round pretty much and break them down. And the end result pretty much was I did get the W. Um, I guess maybe in the – I had pockets of slowing down trying due to conserving my energy to, to finish the show. I would say probably around four or seven is kind of the ones where he had his moments. Because I was in conservative mode, I, I really, um, at that point, you know, I, I was longer. So my jab was so effective that it was carrying points through each round, up to round four and seven. And that's why I kind of say it like that. To where my jab was no longer effective, I also stopped my rate. He had a good body shot, I'll credit him to. And um, he's seen little, little spots due to my fatigue. Um, also just slowing down in that round. Closing the fight, round eight, you know, and in between those other rounds, I was controlling every other round in my mind, you know, and closing the eight, you know, none of his punches was really affecting me up top. We had a little body shot that blew a little steam out, but the end result, I know going into round eight that I was going to close it and I didn't want to leave it in the judge's hands. So at the last 30 seconds, I, we went all out toe-to-toe because -to -toe I wasn't affected necessarily. So that ended up giving a very good show. I'm, I'm glad that everybody pretty much, you know, said it was fight of the night. I was the only I was the only fighter against the grain that wasn't signed to Mayweather that ended up winning. So it was it was a special moment for me. Like I said, I didn't really get to see all of the fight because it wasn't it wasn't televised over here. I did, however, see some clips that Michael recorded, but he's probably the worst cameraman ever because he completely missed the knockdown. <laughs> I didn't see. Make yeah. sure you don't give him any percentage for that. The fight, the fight <laughs> ended out. The fight ended out in, <laughs> in a split decision. Um, I saw some comments online saying stuff like, you know, the decision was a robbery. But one thing that you mentioned there is people need to remember. You were the away fighter. You were fighting on the other guy's promoter show, a Mayweather promotion show. Right. And, and quite frankly, robberies don't really happen that way. But you, you admit that it was a close fight, though. Oh, yeah. It was definitely close. Definitely close. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's, it's it's like I say, you get these fights, you get these close fights when you're coming up. You got the win. That's the most important thing. You move on to the next one. The judges, you know, certainly weren't trying to do you a favor. As I say, they don't do away fighters any favors. Um, I want to talk about sparring. I know that your brother said that you've done some rounds in the gym with Javante Davis. What was that like? Um, it was very good. Um the rounds that we did, I think, was about four. I was waiting and waiting forever before I even got in there. The moment where I got in there, I didn't have much gas. I'm notorious for not carrying a lot of gas at times. 
and uh, we had his little moments in there to where he pretty much is, is a for his size, I would say. He, he knows how to carry his, his artillery pretty well and fit on his punches pretty well, but I was able to just keep him at bay to a certain extent to where in the later half, which was round three and four, um, you know, it was pretty much um, I was coming on to him with my length and my strength, and I, I understand he, in his true colors, he's a real dirty fighter in my perspective, because he resorted to, you know, going a little bit low below the belt, that would happen, you know, given the, the, the shortness and the height of me, but he was also going dirty um, up top as well, and I just, it came to a point to where I, I tried to pause for a split second to, like, say, hey, you know, put, still protecting myself, though, but... It's like, I'm trying to just say, hey, yo, chill out with all the dirtiness. And then in that moment, he tried to still be more dirty with, with the conflict in the gym because my older brother stepped in, and that's how I know it was a real issue. So when my brother stepped in, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a lot of commotion in the gym. Floyd Jr. was right there in the ring four cases from us. So he was refing the actual fight. And uh, he remembers that night, you know. I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't know if he knows or knows or sees or whatnot, but um, I just found out he was a real dirty fighter that night. And I definitely would like to fight him at any split second, at any moment. <laughs> I will fight him. You'll have to move up. He's down at 130 right now, right? I can go down to 140. Yeah, but he's at 130, isn't it? So he'll have to, he'll have to move oh, yeah. up. So perhaps, perhaps a fight uh, down the line. Um, Keith, have you, have you right. sparred any other big names? Um, I'm in camp with Bartholomew, um, and I've been, this will be my second camp with Bartholomew, actually. This is Rances, the guy that's fighting Robert Easter, right? Okay, okay, interesting. Oh, that's that's good. I like I like the sound of that. That's actually good. I can because uh, obviously Easter's pr- pretty tall for his weight. That's good. I like that. So so you're obviously like I say, very tall for the weight. Uh, you you stand at six foot, and you're you know kind of in between one four seven one forty. Uh, the bad thing about being tall for the weight, obviously you know this, but this is for the listeners. The bad thing about being tall for the weight. Obviously, it doesn't count for heavyweights, but in most cases, being tall for the weight means that you're usually lanky, means that your legs would be skinny, and therefore, it's difficult to generate the power. And that's why a lot of taller guys like to just box and move, but it seems like, you know, you're not lacking at all in the power department. Like we mentioned, you even dropped this guy in the second round in your last fight, so the power's no problem for you to generate. Uh, you are definitely correct in the way you explained it and see it because um, there's pros and cons to anything in life. And being a tall man, like you said, a tall fighter specifically, our cons, if you will, would be definitely having to utilize our foot movement because we're not able to carry our artillery and be stationary and shoot the way that a shorter guy is. So that makes for an interesting story. We like to call it Matador and the Bull. You you know, the matador is doing all of the moving and checking the bull. So it's like, who's a, either a better bull that night or who's a better matador that night? And that's why uh, those Tommy Hearns and Marvis Hagler, you know, type of, um, it's always a bull and then a lanky guy. And when you have two real good ones who are really to show out and, and clash, then it's always going to be an epic one. And that's what was, you know, on Glint that night, really. He was a brawler and I was a boxer. You know, like I said, I, I do have some of my dad's genetics because I really out of my my dad's brother, if you will, um, he they're bigger guys and I'm I'm their same height but not as thick and wide. So 
that means I have certain strengths as well, being a tall guy. So I guess that's how I kind of am. And your next fight date has already been announced, if I'm not mistaken, June 22nd in Maryland. No opponent just yet. Um, I'm sure that you're excited, you know, to get to get a fight date that quick after this one. It's, it's, it's a step in the right direction in terms of activity for you. Oh, correct. That solidified basically a position um, in this business for me to be able to keep myself moving and grooving. And Michael has previously stated that he has got a desire. I'm not sure if he's going to actually do this because he seems like he's above this level at the minute. But he's he said he's got a desire to win the USBA heavyweight title because it's about that your father won. Obviously, you're not a heavyweight, but do you also have a desire to win the USBA title at perhaps 140 or 147 in particular or not really? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I like to keep the same quality of my lineage. And when I say that, I mean that. So if my father started capturing it and then my brother sees that as uh, something to capture, then you know the youngest one has to capture it because we all have to have a picture at some point of us in a moment of us capturing it. And then that solidifies the legacy to some certain extent. That's an argument. That That's something we talk about, you know. So definitely I'm going to keep that in there. And finally, before we let you go, Keith, I just wanted to know if you've got any closing words at all for our listeners just before we let you go. Any final message to the people that's listening? Um, anybody uh, that likes me or looking up to me in any way or fashion, I'm just always going to pursue my passion. I'm trying to be a full human being understanding the world and i'm just saying this for the very first time i haven't written none of this down but i just understand a lot about life and i'm going to keep striving with a certain kind of cadence and a certain kind of balance to a point to where if if i can hopefully you know as a human being um show you guys what what believing in yourself and having faith and 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 breaking away the the chains and the restraints that they have on us so I love all you guys. Thank you. And you've got to also give out your, your social media handles. Where can people follow you across, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, the likes of those kind of websites? I'm not really big on social media, really. Um, but I do have one, which is um, Instagram, Bounty Hunter the Third. B-O-U-N-T-Y-H-U-N-T-E-R. And then 3RD all together. And you can find me there on Instagram. Bounty Hunter the third. That is where you go to follow Keith. Right, listen, Keith, it has been a real pleasure speaking with you, champ. Congrats once again on your win. Best of luck for June 22nd, and I'm sure that we'll speak again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 182 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I'd like to thank our two guests on this week's show, the four-way world champion himself, Mr. Nonito Donaire, and of course, the undefeated, hard-hitting prospect, Mr. Keith Hunter. I do just want to apologize real quick for the poor audio during the Keith Hunter interview. I hope it was listenable. I really did try to do my best trying to restore it, but I'm just not that great at sound editing, unfortunately. Uh, the Prediction League is back this week. I just need one more point to come first, but the race for second place is quite intriguing, quite exciting. Ayaz predicts, by the way, a Lomachenko knockout and a Quillin points with that's exactly the same as you the listeners um the only other real piece of news is that john ryder versus david lemieux has finally been confirmed it takes place on the canelo jacobs undercard may 4th 
Uh, it's also for the WBA Interim Super Middleweight World Title. Uh, but that's about everything. Thank you all for listening to this week's show. Thank you all for sticking by me throughout the course of the show. Please let me know what you think of the new intro. Enjoy your weekends, people, and we shall see you all again next week.